One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The lockdown early works continue. The work never stops and it keeps getting earlier. Little update before we get on with this episode. If you listened to last week's episode with Charlie Cox, you will know that not only did she write detailed fan fiction of ex-BGT winner George Sampson, she also camped outside his house in real life and had his mum as a friend on Facebook and potentially even had his sister's phone number. Well, I can confirm that George Sampson himself has listened to that podcast episode. He tweeted me to tell me. He said that he loved it and he used two different crying laughing emojis. Now, you could interpret that as a positive. I choose to see it as the forced smile of a hostage. If you haven't heard it yet, do go back and listen to that episode with that information in mind. It will blow your brain off to see just how mad that must have felt for George Sampson. I can't even imagine how he reacted hearing that. He probably got all soaking wet and then did a front flip and landed on his back. Now on to this week. Today's guest is Danny Wallace, uh, the writer, the filmmaker, the presenter, the comedian, the project man. I've been a big fan of Danny Wallace for years and years. Actually, during the period I was writing a lot of the work I read out on this show, I was reading a lot of Danny Wallace all through my teenage years. Big fan. He is responsible for classics such as Yes Man, Join Me, How to Start Your Own Country, Are You Dave Gorman? He was involved in the Mighty Boosh's early radio shows. They're doing listen-alongs to that at the moment in lockdown. They're very fun. Uh, He's written novels, columns. He's done all sorts of stuff, but it all started with illustrations for Gaelic writings, typewriter murder stories, and incredibly profound and thought-provoking poetry. Plus, we have an early work exclusive and an early work first. All will be revealed. Enjoy. On another lockdown special of early work this week, it is Danny Wallace. Hello, Danny. Hello, Rhys. Now... Danny Wallace, for listeners, uh, if you don't know, is probably best known for when I attempted to become a yes man because ah. um, I was inspired by his book, Friends Like These. No, uh, <laughs> Yes Man. And uh, it lasted about three days. Wow. And then I was too hungover to play tennis. Oh, no. With my friend. So I did. I just thought, and I, it doesn't suit my personality to be a yes. I'm, I'm a 
I'm known for being a no man. Oh. Um, I don't really like to do things. You must have had loads of people who, after that book came out, be like, oh, what a great idea. I'm going to be a yes man. And then they failed immediately. There are, weirdly, it seems like a lot of young English men, in particular English, um, ended up with um, Scandinavian women um, uh, somehow through, there's, there, there seemed to be a lot of letters that would end up with someone from England going to like Norway and ending up moving there. So I don't know if that is a, a very specific thing that the book has done, um, but it's sort of, it's like, it's like reverse Vikings, isn't it? We're sort of sending, sending men back to take their women. If I had to guess what you were like at school, Danny, and I do, yeah. um, what I've written is my predictions are as follows. Uh, Projects Man is the first mm. thing I wrote. Projects Man at school, crap superhero, but, uh, you know, you've got a book career out of it at least. Projects Man, someone who organised things, um, because obviously you started your own country, um, you started a cult. Obviously that was an accident, I do understand that, but you've started all these things, you've organised things in later life, so I think maybe you're organising things at school, like school socials, um, trying to organise school trips, but always to places that were irrelevant to studying just because you wanted to go there, like... Um, maybe like eel pie island or like a go-karting track for no mm -hmm. real reason saying it's educational because we we're all gonna have to learn to drive at some point etc but teachers yeah. not falling for it um maybe some sort of student leadership position uh prefect or head boy i can certainly imagine you giving rousing speeches but that might just be <laughs> because you've um forced into my head the idea of you leading a cult uh i'd say this is a bit of a weird one but i reckon you probably led the way in a fashion item or haircut that was kind of mocked because it was different but you'd never have noticed or cared that it was being mocked and then i think it became a thing that everyone was doing in a couple of months but you never got the credit so wow. in my school switching from um everyone had satchel shoulder bags in my school yeah. and then and backpacks was just the most embarrassing lame thing and then one boy called luke just suddenly came in one day with like a backpack and he wore it really high and everyone was like oh he's got a backpack ah. and then within two weeks everyone had a really high backpack and it was cool it was yeah. having a satchel was lame so i've put you down as being that sort of person i mean i don't know is any of that true that i just said it's it's stunningly accurate. Um, I don't know if you want to get into the the realm of you know psychology or psychiatry at some point or behavioural <laughs> sciences, um, but but yes, I would say that's a ninety percent portrait. Wow. Um, I, I was a prefect. Um, I, I, yes. I was I was elected um, senior student after a rousing speech um, in which I promised everybody because I sort of got dragged into it the last minute, but I, I promised everybody that the can machine where we'd get our cans of lilt and and stuff um it was it was 35p um but it would always take 40 and it would never give you your 5p back and i promised people <laughs> there and then that this would be my priority going forward they cheered and whooped uh, and i tell you no word of a lie we went back to the sixth form common room and i put my 40p in and i got my 5p change and i, I had nothing to do with wow. it wow but it was just you know it was uh, you know i'm not a religious man but um but god was with That's me that the day sort I mean, having read a lot of your work, that is exactly the sort of thing that happens to you. That is the sort of... You being dragged into this anyway is a yes-man move. Yeah. Someone going, oh, should we all run for student leadership positions? You're going, yeah, why not? And then suddenly the touch of God gives you a yeah. 5p that proves your point. Well, but the worst thing was, like, what do I do now? Because that was my main running platform and I'd already solved it. And, you know, I was in the job for a year. <laughs> So, um, and, and you mentioned projects. Yes, absolutely. I mean, um, I wasn't that bothered about, um, you know, essays or, um, you know, learning in general, but I, if you gave me a project 
um, that is when I would pounce. And it could be about the most boring thing in the world and it wouldn't matter to me because um, I would just put my all into it um, and just go for it. I remember one summer holiday, um, I did a voluntary project. This is how into projects I was um, because our junior school burnt down and um, and it was gone. And then it was the summer holidays and we didn't know if we were going to go back. In the end, we, we had to sit in porter cabins at a local college, <laughs> which didn't help. Um, but I, uh, and I, I wrote a whole book about the school called the Hollywell School Book and it was just a, a ring binder and it was just me I, you know I ran out of material very quickly there was no internet there was nothing like that and so mm. I just had to talk to people and just thought oh did your son go to Hollywell School in like 1981 um, can I interview him and it would just be just just it was rubbish but I put my all into it and you had you know, a project on the go I That's had a the project point. to do you wanted to finish this ring binder about uh, I'm going to go back to it a school that burnt down I mean I'm going to need more information there I think it was a disgruntled former pupil um, yeah I was going to say is it a suspicious is it a it suspicious was, burning down oh it was arson it was arson and a half. <laughs> oh my god! And it was um, it was the day of the school trip. We were I think we were all going to um, Wales, maybe. And um, so we all get to the school um, to get on our coaches, and it's just a smouldering mess and firemen everywhere. And then we're driven away to Wales. So it's a very odd, very, very odd. Like we had questions. We were like, what, what, what? Why was the school burned down? Um, the and idea then we just of all to, of you. Yeah. Pressed up against the back window on the bus, <laughs> yeah. going. Sorry, can we can we establish what's happening here? What? Yeah, and because it's our first trip away as well, it's kind of a weirdly emotional time with our parents saying goodbye to our parents, and our parents are trying to pretend everything's fine, just as, as there is no school anymore, and they're just going, "It's fine, don't worry about it. Enjoy Wales, have fun." And we're like, "But where do uh, everything has changed?" Um, so yeah, so I did the projects, and um, and what was the other thing you said? Something. Oh, the the fashion choice. Um, I uh, sure. I did try at one point to um, put my socks over my trousers, um, and when we were playing sports, what do you mean? Tuck, tuck, tuck your trousers into your socks? Yeah, and um, and for me, it gave me a wonderful sense of freedom. There was no sort of you know um, turn ups flapping about, nothing like that, and I could run around. I seemed faster, more agile, um, and um, it didn't catch on. And um, led to a short but intense period of bullying. <laughs> Fantastic! Well, I'm glad I brought it up. Yeah. What was your creativity like at school? I mean, you said that you had that pr- you made that project uh, about the school that burnt down. Yeah. Was that your first kind of dipping the toe into the creative world, or were you writing and making things before that? I was. Um, I was. I was always. Yeah. Always writing and making things, and I think I just wanted to crack on. And there was one thing that, that you know. I had two sort of strains, I suppose, to it. One was the trying to make the schoolwork fun, but then also trying to make school fun by sort of doing strange things and little pranks and sort of quite, you know, well thought out or hopefully well thought out sustained pranks where I was happy to wait for the punchline. So I remember um, I remember uh, a CDT, craft design and technology lesson, and we all had to come up with like... Um, what was it? It was like a, a new shopping centre or something like that. Or a, And my friend, Little Dan, who was called Little Dan because he was slightly shorter than me, um, he <laughs> came up with a shopping centre called the Pagoda. And good name for it. And um, he sort of worked on like a logo and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I went away on, on the day that they were due in. And um, I wrote a letter 
um, with um, a, a, a logo I had designed myself from Pagoda Shopping Centres International. And it was a legal letter um, threatening little Dan <laughs> with uh, legal action if he didn't immediately rescind any and all work and reference to <laughs> Pagoda uh, Shopping Centres. And then I folded it up and I gave it to my teacher with a little wink. And she saw, and she then, when she was doing the register, walked around and went, you know, little Dan, um, you've received a letter. And then I just watched him <laughs> as he just watched six months of work or something just sort of disappear and fade away. <laughs> and and I was always, I was doing little things like that. Um, and the teachers trusted me, uh, and they they sort of enjoyed it. I think. And there was like an English exam where I finished my thing about Shakespeare or whatever, and then I decided to write another very fast essay um, with it was complete nonsense um, just under someone else's name and then I put it under <laughs> mine and handed it in so so that the teacher would sort of freak out and think why why has you know Peter Richardson why has he gone absolutely insane writing that you know <laughs> and so I was always looking for like a little outlet um, wow these are these are deep dark cut um, pranks this <laughs> yeah. is not the level of prank you expect from school which is like maybe you put a fish in the ceiling or maybe yeah. you put cling film over a toilet this is like yeah. this is top tier stuff I would go, I mean, I would this go is for impressive. it yeah. Yeah, I, um, I, but I remember once I was thinking I was in the most trouble in the world ever because there was an old man down my street called Mr Montgomery who used to shout at us uh, if we played football on the street and um, he had lots and lots of plants in his porch and uh so I again I, I went and I I, I made a, a letter with a letterhead from the hay fever sufferers of the United Kingdom Unite organisation, saying that one of our representatives had been in the local area just recently and noticed that the pollen count outside his porch was far above the national average, uh, and he had to now limit his uh, plants to either eight small or six large, or further action would be taken. Um, and my mistake was I thought a new level to this would be to invent you know, the, the representative of the hay fever place. And so I put down my friend Simon Davies's name and his number. And that was a mistake because Mr. Montgomery then phoned that number and spoke to Simon Davies's mum. And Simon Davies's mum seemed to get the wrong end of the stick and thought that Simon had been kidnapped or something. And this old man was wanting to speak to him and the whole thing and it just got out of control and it snowballed and then she phoned me and my stomach turned as I realised my god what have I done you know she thinks he's in danger and in fact it's I can't even explain it because it's about hay fever and flowers and the old man and like how do I even get my story straight and my mum was shopping and when she when she was coming back I was I was like nearly in tears because I was thinking I've really messed up here and she came in and I went I've done something really bad and she was like what? And so I start to tell her what I've told you and thinking, well, this is it now. I'm going to jail. And I look up and she's just crying with laughter because <laughs> she loved the fact that Mr. Montgomery had sort of had this <laughs> this pomposity pricked. So so I was always trying to be creative and do weird, you know, little projects. Can I just reiterate? Myself, yeah. Projects, man. These these pranks are projects as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> They're not normal pranks. These are project level pranks. Oh, I mean, good. sending legal notices to your classmate. How old were you at that point? Um, the Paragon one, I guess I'd have been maybe about 14, something like that. 14. I mean, that's, that is precocious to be doing that kind of legal letter stuff, oh. to say to be a cease and desist to your yeah. own friend at school, <laughs> and then to get in touch with Mr. Montgomery to claim to be from the 
the hay fever board of the United Kingdom uh, and then it all leading to a kidnap oh, it's, it's absolutely absurd it's mm. good that your mum encouraged it though she loved so it so were you encouraged you were encouraged with all this sort of stuff generally yeah yeah she um, she uh, when we lived in Dundee she she's got a great way of finding creative people and talking to them and seeking them out and they're sort of quite attracted to her and there was the first thing I ever did that gave me that made me sort of realise oh you can do things and then they become things was she uh, I don't know how familiar you are with Gaelic poetry. Yeah, you're going to have to educate me somewhat. No problem. Um, well, there was a, a Gaelic poet called Katrina that my mum knew, and her daughter Ailey became a really close friend of mine. And um, Katrina was writing a whole new book of uh, Gaelic poetry and asked me to illustrate them. And so um, I, I was like, this is incredible. This is the best thing in the world. I must have been like five or six, maybe. And so I start drawing all these drawings but I'm having to have them translated because I don't know really what they're about it turns out now years later because I tracked down some of them and Ailey sent me the actual illustrations that I'd done that were never published in the end because I'd used too many colours um, it was pro- <laughs> prohibitively expensive uh, it would have been it would it's just impossible they were more looking for like black and white outlines and I was like technicolor um so i learned a, a valuable lesson there about uh, yeah. printing costs um so so I, I did all these drawings and ailey sent them to me the the other day and some of them are actually about me and my cat and the great thing is that it's all in gaelic apart from my cat's name my cat's name was something i didn't realize growing up was probably not a good name for a cat We'd inherited the cat from a German family called the Grabollers, who were going back to Germany, and they wanted to leave their cat here. So I don't know whether they named the cat or my mum named the cat, but my mum is Swiss, and, you know, so perhaps she was just literally thinking, well, this is a cat, and it's a fella. So that's how uh, I ended up with a cat called Pussy Man. <laughs> and, and so you get these Gaelic poets and, and, and poems, and it's all, like, in Gaelic, apart from the word Pussy Man. So from an outsider's point of view... And non-Gaelic speakers, you, you know, you don't really know what these are about. Um, but but <laughs> yeah, I did you, them. You've got an inkling. Yeah. You'd read those poems thinking, well, this must be about some sort of stag do. <laughs> well, I've, um, yeah, exactly. I've, I've, um, I've just sent them to you um, while we've been speaking. So you can have a look um, at uh, the, the sort of, um, I think I was going for like a childish, um, almost naive sense of art. Oh, these are, they're, these are very colourful mm. for a start, so I can yeah. see the printing issues. Yeah. Um, they look like what you get on a T-shirt now from an expensive brand. Thank you, Reese. There's hundreds of these. Um, Picture yeah. two that you've sent me. Is this an abduction happening or is this a spotlight? Uh, let, I'm trying to figure it out. Let me check. So it's, I'm looking at what looks like potentially either a lamp on a small boy being interrogated oh, yes. by a woman on her knees or an alien abduction from a spaceship. I believe this is in reference to a small elf that Ailey believed visited her at night. Um, in the, you know, if you're a Gaelic speaker, um, the poem begins, uh, Be elf biodak tigini... Uh, well, actually, I can't read. Um, I can't read Gaelic or get any of the pronunciations correct. <laughs> but I hope that gave you a flavour. So, so yeah, I, I think that, that was um, that was that was Ailey um, uh, and her elf visitor. And you illustrated it with a massive chair. To, yep. Is that to represent quite how small this elf is? It's for scale. 
It's for scary, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then um, going back to picture one, yeah. uh, is that do I see Pussy Man there? Oh no, that's a rabbit. Um, okay, I thought it might be a rabbit. It might be Pussy Man. Didn't want to. Didn't want to make yeah. assumptions. Yeah, it's a rabbit. Or in uh, Gaelic, it says um, rabaid. Rabaid. But I'm, I'm certain. Oh, so I can, it's, it's, I'm certain I can source you. A, a, you know, a, an illustration of Pussy Man for sure. Please, if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> I don't know if you'd like a podcast exclusive. At last, a podcast exclusive. I've well, been waiting several episodes for this. Well, you, you haven't been waiting for this news as long as I have, because this book was obviously lost to the midst of time. Um, I, I thought, well, that's it. You know, I tried it. And we're talking, you know, 35, 36 years ago. So anyway, um, Ailey, when she was sending me these pictures, she said, before COVID-19 erupted, I mentioned to the Gaelic Books Council that this book existed. They seem quite excited about it, with a view of finally publishing it. Oh my god. Incredible. So, you know, she said, is this something that would have your support? And I was like, well, of course. Well, of course yeah, it of would. Of course. Of course it would. And if it's... So why... you why What was the reason you got in touch with her uh, about this poetry? We... I think she had... Uh, I said... Um, uh, I remembered this, and I said, I'm going on Rhys James's Early Work podcast, and I would um, be very interested in uh, seeing those illustrations again, should you happen to have them. So she found the book... She found them all. She took all the pictures and she'd mentioned to the Gaelic Books Council and they're, they're all over it. So hopefully, so early fingers crossed. is yeah. potentially the reason that this book is going to be published. Yes. It's the, it's the impetus for an actual publication. I believe, I believe so. I, I believe we can... I, I cannot can, believe it. Yeah. So my, uh, my earliest work may now be published by the Gaelic Book Council thanks to uh, your endeavours. Okay, right, Danny, I think I'm about ready. I think I've processed enough. I mm-hmm. think I'm about ready to be able to handle this thing you wrote on a typewriter, this very sure. earnest and serious thing. What is it? What are we talking? What sort of genre? Um, it's the murder genre. Oh, thank God for that. But it seems like I've gone straight to the top because it's, I've underlined it um, using the little dashes. So that's a lot more dashes than just, you know. And it's called The Ultimate Murder. <laughs> oh, right. It's really put a full stop on the genre. Yeah. And, and I can already tell that I didn't, um, I didn't really plan this out. Um, I think I must have just started and just typing. Um, and, but, it's, it's, but that's the problem with a typewriter, isn't it? You sort, yeah. of, um, you sort of have to commit to whatever you've started <laughs> yeah. with. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, you've got... Yeah, there are a couple of things that are tip-exed. So obviously I thought, this is good. Let's keep this going. Um, okay. but, but aside from that, no. And I appear to have taken on the uh, persona of um, a uh, much older man. How old? How much older are we talking? Well, I don't know. I mean, well, the first line, the first line will tell you. Do you want me to do a bit? Yes, please. I would love to. <clears throat> this was the last case in my police career. So obviously, you know, we're thinking, I don't know, you know, obviously that's that's clever, right? Because already we know this guy's 50s, maybe, grizzled. Yeah, he's he's retired. It does. It already sounds like a he was just one day from retirement type story. Yeah. And he got dragged in, didn't he? I was travelling down a mysterious country lane. There was something particularly strange. A fox shot out in front of my car. Pheasants leapt into the air. And there was a sinister feeling as the cool evening breeze swept my face. 
Um, he's in a car, though, isn't he? So this is a convertible, presumably. I, it's either a convertible or he's got the aircon on. Or maybe the window down. But then a breeze. cool evening breeze through the aircon <laughs> swept my face yeah. as pheasants leapt into the air. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> there was a small click on the dashboard. I turned my head towards it. The petrol gauge was empty. That's bad planning. And the car was stationary. Okay. <laughs> so it just it just it just immediately stopped. The car just stopped. <laughs> yes. Or it had stopped. It's such a that's such a kid's view of how um, <laughs> cars work, isn't it? It's just like, yeah. well, if you get too empty, it's over. Game <laughs> over. It stops. There's I, no warning before that. Because no. it clicked. It, that's the first warning. It's over. It's done. <laughs> it You're stopped. stopped. And this is a, this is a um, bear in mind, someone at the top of their game in the mm. police. Yeah, yeah. Very experienced, you know. This, is the la- <laughs> this was the last case. God forbid this guy has to turn the siren on ever. <laughs> gotta go catch a crook. Siren on. Ah, oh, sorry, I haven't put any petrol in it. Exactly. I walked the few miles to the nearest petrol station. Here, I collected the petrol. I was offered a lift by the middle-aged attendant who was closing for the night. Uh, I thanked him and accepted. I climbed into the truck. So there's a lot of... I'm explaining a lot here. Um, And set off down the small lane leading away from the station. But instead of taking the country lane, which I first came across, he took another road. When I inquired why this was, he replied that we were taking a shortcut. So that's just part one. Yeah, um, that's, you know, it, we're all, I'm already suspicious. I'm suspicious of what's going to happen and whether it really is a shortcut, mainly because um, the title of the piece is The <laughs> Ultimate Murder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I like the, I think the, um, maybe I'm wrong, but those short, sharp sentences, mm. very just descriptive, very information-based, surely that is of the writing style of a character that's a that's a police chief way of talking is just yeah. tell us the events we just need to know the events yeah so you got out of the truck then you got some petrol at the petrol station then you got in the truck and you drove away from the petrol station and it's even like a police description the middle-aged attendant offered <laughs> yeah, me a lift exactly it's, he was five foot nine he had dark hair his registration number was this. Well, exactly. I mean, you know, it, you know, I, I won't do the whole thing because um, you will slit your wrists. But, it, you know, it turns out that... And if the... I do slit my wrists, maybe that would be the ultimate murder. <laughs> this has all been leading up to that. It's one, of, it's one of those urban myths where if you read this story out, the reader ends up dead. Um, anyway, it turns out the petrol attendant uh, has a gun. He points the gun at um, our man. Um, he says, I immediately knew uh, there was something wrong, which you would because he's got a gun. Uh, he smiled wickedly at the expression on my face. And it turns out that um, our hero um, had arrested the parking attendant, uh, the petrol station man's younger brother, who got 15 years for gold bullion stealing uh, when he was head of the operation. And so they end up going to this old mansion, and he um, he manages to break free from whatever they've done to him and the blindfold. And he looks in a drawer and he finds a phone, which is not where landlines are kept. You know, <laughs> no. in drawers. Um, but he manages to um, alert um, Scotland Yard because he looks down and he sees uh, there's a dead old man. Um, and uh, and that's the story. Um, uh, I was later picked... It finishes very powerfully. I was later picked up and congratulated by my colleagues at the CID. 
the dead man was identified as G. Dewhurst, a wealthy businessman whose money could have bought many guns slash weapons. And there it ends. <laughs> it is written like a police case report. <laughs> yeah, I think I channeled it. You know, it was very. It must have been. It, it seems like a choice. It seems you've opened by saying it was my last case mm. in the police. Yeah, it's. I mean, I, I think it must have been. How old were you when you wrote this? Um, I probably was about. Um, okay, so that would have been in Loughborough with the typewriter. I'd have been eleven or twelve, maybe maybe eleven. Um, and I, I don't if you're know, 11, what, what are you talking about? Gold? What was the, what was gold, the crime that his brother had committed? Gold bullion stealing. I was watching um, <laughs> Sunday nights in those days. Um, you would have a bath, um, a cup of hot chocolate, and then you'd watch Morse um, or one of the old one of the old detective things or Agatha Christie. So I'm I'm guessing that that was a, a Sunday influenced. You know, all the shops were shut. There's nothing to do. It was Loughborough. Um, Morse was on later. Um, well, let's write a quick story about a dead man called G. Dewhurst. <laughs> G. Dewhurst, again, is such a mad name to come up with as an 11-year-old. <laughs> Why didn't I write knowing... George or, you know, Jerry? Yeah. Or give him his full name, at least. <laughs> Who's that thing dead is, man? Knowing the other G. stuff Dewhurst. you're up to at that age, it doesn't surprise me. Mm. Um, I like that he pointed a gun at you, and that's when you immediately yeah. knew something was wrong. And it's, it's that kind of biting perception that yeah. gets you to the top of the police force. It does. Unless you can identify <laughs> that something's wrong when a man's got a gun put in your face, you will not make it as no. chief of police. Yeah, absolutely. It really checks out character-wise. Uh, I mean, it's great stuff. It, I mean, what's the... Is, is it a mystery, would you say? Um, I seem to have solved it within... Of maybe 350 words so uh, I think it's more just um, regard it as a moment of um, uh, mysterious atmosphere it's just a murder description really it is it's powerful it's powerful stuff and remind me the ending is that an old man has um, been found dead and he is wealthy G. Dewhurst he's wealthy yeah. enough to have bought many guns and weapons yes yeah, he, could, the, he could mean, have bought that. He could have bought many guns and weapons or guns slash so, weapons so swords the, I, bazookas What's the significance of... I mean, I, I understand that obviously we're in a murder plot and this man had a gun who well, took you I, to this mansion. So I think that the petrol station attendant, who must have somehow known that our hero, our nameless hero, might at some point have run out of petrol, um, he <laughs> inveigled his way into the petrol station community and he waited 15 years for the policeman to run out of petrol so that he could put him in the truck, take him on a shortcut to an old mansion where he could blindfold him and show him where there was a dead old man. And the dead old man, obviously, he's into, I guess, weapons trading, illegal arms sales in this old mansion, which chimes, I suppose, with the kind of criminal that might get into gold bullion stealing. And all I can imagine is that all of this money, this gold bullion and this wealthy old man, G. Dewhurst, um, they were coming up with a nefarious plot to perhaps fund... I would say probably the Libyans because they were the only people I would have known at the time because of Back to the Future. So this would have been so this guy, he's, he single handedly stopped a plot to fund Libya. But I, I, it's, it's so hard to understand where it's this, very what, simple. What, it's so hard to understand what side this petrol, this guy who works in the petrol station, where, where's he coming from here? Because I understand he wants revenge, but also he's exposing this this arms dealer. Yeah. But what's his motive here? Also, after 14 yeah. years of selling Ginster's pasty after Ginster's pasty to <laughs> people not relevant to his pursuit of this fake petrol station job, he must yeah. have thought, I don't know if this is going to happen. 
Well, no, absolutely. I mean, he it's, you know, but that's the thing about the criminal mind, as I've discovered when I was writing The Ultimate Murder. Um, mm. The criminal mind is patient. They will wait to pounce. And so 15 years in not even probably like an SO or a BP, but probably like one of those little country lane ones. Because remember, this is this is not on an A road. It's not even no. a B road. These are country lanes we're talking about. Um, so, I mean, you don't get much traffic anyway. Um, they probably wouldn't have had a telly in there. He'd have just had um, radio to listen to, if that. So these are long, long days. And this is happening at night as well. So there's much less, um, whatever the car equivalent of footfall is. And finally, finally, it it pays off. And so he just closes up, get in the truck, come this way. There's a mansion there. And here's my gun. And um, But in that classic way that all criminals do, they blindfold the hero, but then they leave him in a room. Um, and he's able to take the blindfold off, it says here, um, uh, uh, by banging my head on broken furniture. So he does that. And... Uh, <laughs> and um, and, and then he gets out. Um, uh, the door finally gives way. I began to look for clues. I don't know why. Why he's looking for clues? Um, for I knew something was going on. I found a small study which had a tiny patch of blood on the floor, leading towards a small door. So obviously you're going to follow that, right? And that is when he finds the old man. Um, and he phones up Scotland Yard for backup on the situation. Um, and then the police arrive in seconds. And there's a small. Well, they're already there. Yeah, big burly policemen burst through the door as the murderers tried to get away. So, you know, I jumped about a bit, but I gave you the flavour. I appreciate all the... What you've done in the sto- in the retelling of this mm. is the start and the end, and yeah. then we've had to fill in the gaps. Yeah. Because it, I mean, to be honest, I was at an absolute loss for what the fuck was going on. <laughs> but now I know. Now I, now I completely understand. I understand all the motives. Yeah. Did you show anyone this? Did you read this to parents or anyone? I haven't, I haven't seen it myself till, until today. <laughs> so I, I don't think so. I would have shown it to mum. I would have shown it to mum. It's, you know, it's A5 paper and it's two pages of closely, closely typed. Uh, but don't please don't um, get any tips from this about how to commit the ultimate murder because I, don't, I think my intention was to show that murder was wrong. Um, and that uh, mm, that doesn't that doesn't come across. That doesn't come across. Oh the, right. Well, they get arrested. Him and his henchmen. Yeah, but I'm, I don't know if we're on the policeman's side. To be honest, well, I'm quite on board with the petrol man. He's not going back to the petrol station tonight. I'll tell you that. He's in for a, a cold heart hard night on 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 the on the cold hard stones of his local jail. That's probably a welcome relief after 14 years in a fucking <laughs> garage on the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I would think so. <laughs> Um, so just to clarify, because I know that you want listeners to know you don't want any issues no. off the back of this podcast. Please. You want to clarify murder is bad. Your, really, your position is murder is bad. Yeah, it's uh, against the law and, um, and, and there it should remain. Just to clarify, these are the opinions of Danny Wallace, not necessarily <laughs> the opinions of um, me or anyone involved with Radio sure, X. Sure, sure. Other than Danny Wallace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you said you also wrote uh, poems as yes. well as mur- murder-based sort of stories and descriptions. Yeah. What sort of poems were you writing? Um, <clears throat> so, um, you know, obviously uh, poems about my life, um, about um, uh, my cat, poems um, about bluebells, because... Uh, I think I thought that's what you had to do. If you're a poet, you would, you know, there are bluebells around, and so you would write a little ode <laughs> to the bluebell. Um, were you studying? Were you studying poets at school at this stage? Uh, I don't think so. 
I think, I, I, oh, wow, I've just looked and I've just found a poem I wrote for Pussyman. <laughs> a, a, a poem for Pussyman? Yeah, after his, uh, <laughs> his untimely death. Um, this one just goes, Pussyman, oh, Pussyman, we'll never forget you. Jumping through windows in the dead of night, hungry for evermore, wandering, wandering happily around Richmond Terrace and Spinney Hill Drive, sitting on walls, keeping us happy, and now... Cold and still. Uh, and that was on the 29th of June, 1988. <laughs> no way is that the ending. No way is that how it ends. Yeah, yeah, it just goes, but you're dead. Anyway, <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Can I just say, imagine someone who doesn't know the backstory finding that. Yeah. Pussy man, pussy man, sitting on walls and now cold and still. Just cold and dead. Oh, my God. God, um, what an absolutely insane ending that is! Did I, you presumably you didn't read that at the at the wake of Pussy Man? No, I didn't. But we did have um, there was a vicar down the road called uh, Brian, and um, when Pussy Man passed, um, he came and said a few words in the back garden um, in his you know his dog collar, um, and we said goodbye to Pussy Man, and then we walked outside and I saw something I'd never seen before and have never seen since, but something that will never leave me, which was two dogs stuck together by their bottoms. And <laughs> I, I, I couldn't work it out. It was a two-headed dog. Um, they were stuck. Something They'd been trying to do something and something had gone very wrong. But luckily I was with a vicar. And um, <laughs> I didn't know, and he was a grown-up. And so Brian just clapped his hands together very fast. And the two dogs ran in different directions. And some kind of explosion of juices went into the air. And I was looking at Brian like, well, A, it was looked like a miracle because a vicar had done it. And, and it was some weird, you know, I'd been looking at Greek mythology around that time and like griffins and weird animals all stuck together. And so I, I think I thought it must be like a Loughborough version of that. And then Brian performed the miracle and they went and I wanted to say, why were they, what was that? But he couldn't get out there fast enough, um, I think. And I, I still don't really understand what happened. I mean, I, it's so profound that and, and poetic mm. that... Upon leaving your cat's funeral, yeah. you see the, what I would call the circle of life yeah. <laughs> is two dogs stuck yeah. together and then scattering away from each other. Yeah, it couldn't be more perfect. All, a, oh. all orchestrated by some sort of vicar, yeah. if, if claiming to be a vicar, wearing his own dog collar. Yeah, at a, I mean, cat's, at a cat's funeral. <laughs> <laughs> at a cat's funeral. Yeah. <laughs> Quite insulting, to be fair. I mean, that's absolutely absurd. But... It, Oh, and so did the vicar have to say pussy man during the uh yep. the eulogy. Yeah, I think it's the first and last time he'd have said that. Um but uh, you know, it was again, you know, it was a cat and it was a it was a bloke. And so it just made sense in our family. It was only years later, um, at university when we you know, you do that drinking game which is um you know, the porn star name. Um and it has mm. to be like your first pet. <laughs> It was it was only then that I realised that's actually quite a weird uh, name for a cat, and yet it works for this game. Oh, it's per it's the perfect porn star name. Yeah, you, your cat already has done the porn star name game yeah, by yeah. accident. This might be too personal a question, but often with sort of things like online banking and stuff like that, your secret question has to be um, your uh, 
pet's pet's first pet's name. <laughs> yeah. Now, if you have to phone your bank and they say <laughs> we need your first pet's name so that we can get into your account, do yeah. you have to say pussy man? And then do you get into a beef with a bank teller? Uh, no, I use. Uh, well, uh, I'm not going to tell you what I used. <laughs> is, it your, is it your grandma's maiden name by any chance? <laughs> I was literally about to go. No, do you know what I do use? I use. And then I thought this is the wrong thing to do, isn't it? To is this what this is all about? This is this is this entire thing is to There's lull no podcast, people, mate. Yeah. There's no such thing as this podcast. Exactly. There's no recording. <laughs> <laughs> it's the ultimate murder. Uh, okay, cool. Great. Any other poems? Um, I've got one uh, uh, short one here. Um, I'll, I'll save one uh, for the end, but um, this is a... Um, it's simply called Race. Um, race. Is it all just about your face? So that was Race. Uh, oh my god! Which was would have been around the time you know um, of apartheid and Mandela. Um, I, I found my uh, diary from that time as well, and um, and it's all it's you know I'm, I'm very happy about uh, Mandela coming out, um, and I also wonder you know when are we all going to stop stop fighting, guys? To be fair, yeah. I mean, if you're writing stuff as powerful and yeah. hard-hitting as race is it all just about your face yeah yeah then i can see that you're clearly an activist yeah yeah i think that something obviously affected me at that stage and um i was looking at the futility of racism um uh the futility of the endless battles we seem to get into um all based as far as i could see um on just visual cues you know Get over it. <laughs> Get over it. Be I, like, be like a, be like a murder detective in a room, and you know, take that blindfold off and see people for what they are. <laughs> if you have to bang your head against furniture to do it, do it. Get it done. Do you remember a while ago there was a billboard campaign that said some people are gay? Get over it. Do you remember that? All it said was yeah. some people are gay. Get over it. Yeah. Now. And, and I, I don't know if you remember, but that solved homophobia. Yeah, now, so, yeah, you, yeah, it was around that time, yeah. If only you had paid for some billboards when you wrote that. Race, yeah. is it all just about your face? Be a very There'd different be world. no issues no. of racism in very this country different. anymore. Absolutely. Uh, okay, well, it comes to the time where I must score your work. Yes. Um, so I'm very glad you included that. Good. <laughs> so, uh, I score it on three categories. Yeah. As you know, those categories are originality, pure teen horniness, mm-hmm. and Mickey Mouse Club, Ryan Gosling, Ryan Goose score. How... Close it to your work now, how much does it represent the future star you went on to become? So first of all, originality. Look, it's very difficult to say anything other than a straight five out of five for originality. Great. Because Absolutely. it's Thank a you. it's a murder mystery that is written in a way unlike any murder mystery I've ever read before, where it's <laughs> extremely just information based, yep. descriptive, then I did this type stuff that is written, I think, intentionally in the style of a police report because that's all this policeman knows. Yeah. He doesn't know how to word anything. Mm. That's how mm. he tells every anecdote to his wife. Then I had dinner. It was fine. <laughs> um, Not a word wasted. Very spare, sparse prose. Exactly, exactly. And that continues into some of into all of your poetry, actually. Thank you. Not a word wasted. Syllables considered. Mm. You're not fucking about with describing, <laughs> sadly, pussy man passed no. and we will mourn his death for no. years to come. It's no. just cold and still now yeah. <laughs> cold and still yeah. it is the after someone who wrote a thing called the ultimate murder writing now cold and still about your <laughs> beloved pet <laughs> really shows the sort of you know i mean it's so brutal this brutalist writing and it's, I yeah. it. it's uh you know it's uh, a reflection a reflection of reality isn't it and then taking that taking that form that way of writing that 
you know, considering your word count and your mm. syllables mm. and then turning it into something so profound and there's something that asks so many more questions and opens us up to mm-hmm. use the words mm-hmm. while you use so few with race is it all just about your face. Thank you. I mean, it, it really shows an extension of that form. I don't know if that is chronological and that was the last one of those pieces, but it seems like it because mm. it seems like you've grown enough to be able to write something as powerful as race yeah. is all just about your face. And you want people so to close to the poetry book and think for a bit, you know? So you have yeah. a lot of stuff about bluebells and dead cats and then, hey, this is what it's all been leading up to. Shut the book, shut your eyes, and open your mind. <laughs> five out of five for originality. Um, pure teen horniness. Never really heard anything less horny in my life than those three things. <laughs> Good. The races are all just about your face. I can't really see anywhere that's going in terms no. of horniness. No. Um, the cat one. I mean, just describing your own cat's death is just cold and still. Mm. There's the, uh, it's the least sexual thing in the world yeah. and so it should be it should yeah. be the least sexual thing and then the murder one is so just descriptive and plain it's like okay we're down a country lane and I'm with this bloke who works in a petrol station who's not seen <laughs> civilization for weeks oh yeah. what's going to happen here nothing a gun in my face and then we go to a mansion Yeah. so it's got to be a zero Mickey Mouse Club how close is it to your work now does it show the potential of a future star well I'm going to give you some points anyway for the pranks good uh, because those represent project behaviour yeah. which which has continued a lot of projects a lot of like experiments stuff like that going on um so there's a couple of points for that writing wise oh, i don't know would you consider yourself writing sh- short sharp sentences <laughs> i don't know if, you know, I don't know um, if you do it, really it's something i've tried to go back to um take stuff out get it down get rid of the mm. you know so so perhaps this was a lesson from the past to the future um it's the 11 year old me saying to the 43 year old me you know, get back to some of this stuff, you know? This is yeah. this is this is writing. This is pure. Um It's editing. It's just telling you to edit. That's yeah. all it is. But yeah. also it the race one asks such a big question and I think yes man asks a big question as well. Mm. Are we all too negative? Are we all too scared to have no experiences? Race. Is it all just about your face? Well, yeah. So with that big question in mind, I'd say I'm gonna give you a four. Okay. Four out of five for Mickey Mouse Club. So that is a nine out of fifteen score. Very respectable score. Oh well good. I'm pleased um, because I feel seen for the first time. You know, I feel validated and I feel it was all worth it now. Now we get to the point where I must read you some of my work to level the playing field. It's only fair. So uh, normally it's poems, but on this occasion, because um, I read your column for so many years, I decided to bring you a column of my own yep. from a school newspaper that I wrote for and um, also created, co-created, called Student Sketch. There's Lovely. the front cover. There is. Uh, yeah, it's promising. On Five ways I'll to post, save the world. I'll post a picture of it. I didn't write that one. No. Um, but just if you want to know. So uh, the front cover, it says Student Sketch. It's got an illustration. I can't remember who did that. Um, yeah, the main, the lead article is Five Ways to Save the World. What we've got on the front cover, it says... Um, just so you know how hard-hitting this sort of stuff was, yeah. the articles uh, trailed on the front cover are The Truth About AIDS. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. And that was broken by Student Sketch. Yeah, this is a sixth form newspaper um, sort of magazine. It was meant to be like The Economist. We had The Economist in our common room, so everyone wanted to write that sort of stuff. (laughs) But then it was a mix because other people wanted to write stuff for like GQ. So The Truth About AIDS, We Want Candy, which is my article, which will become clear. Um, uh, So straight from The Truth About AIDS to Pro Air versus FIFA. Oh, 
oh, uh, video yeah. video game violence, The Big Bang Explored. Um, but uh, other examples <laughs> of the mix between hard hitting and all over the place uh, include um, this is by the same author. Um, Define Blairism, tendency to not know when to stand down was one of the headlines wow. and uh, then on the next page crazy frog hits indonesia yeah so that's the sort of level of stuff <laughs> yeah it's a very um it's a very broad ranging kind of read isn't it it's a it's a read for generalists it's like uh, it's, you know it's like the week or something <laughs> something for no one is yeah. what uh, we'd call it exactly yeah my article is called we want candy and that's because we went to a our first sixth form social yeah. so i was in year 12 and uh, um so year 12 and year 13 suddenly have to become mates even though they're not yeah. um, because they're in the same common room and we went on a social to a place called Candy Bar uh, Candy spelled K-A-N-D-I Clever um, So you you know it's cool yeah. So I wrote a sort of a, what I thought was a column a funny column about it I'll read you some highlights of it now yeah. uh, I, I hate it Okay <laughs> <laughs> Ever since we horrible year 12s bombarded the common room with litter, bad breath and chavvy anecdotes about <laughs> shopping trolley stealing and other semi-illegal activities on induction day, the stench of tension has leered every time that balcony door swings open. Wow. There's a lot in this newspaper about chavs, actually, so Is that was it? clearly a word of the time. Yeah. <laughs> Again, a different era. Um, a social divide to rival that of Tottenham and Arsenal, Gordon Brown and David Cameron, and even the maths block hostility between which teacher can name Pi to the most decimal places. <laughs> Rumour has it, that's why Levy left. Levy was uh, Mrs. Levy. She was a maths teacher who had just left because uh, she moved to a different school. Uh, I decided to take a, take a jab at her uh, now that she couldn't defend herself because she had got. <laughs> I thought she was someone who was always leaving, so you called her old Levy. <laughs> old Levy, classic Levy. <laughs> no, she's back, is she? Oh, she's gone again. <laughs> Um, despite the community spirit of sixth form, uh, we were all conned into believing each circle of friends has been sealed tightly within their circumference. Fresh air condemned, ancient freedoms denied, eye contact strictly prohibited. Uh, while Tottenham and Arsenal may riot until Gordon Brown appears mildly attractive, I mean, what, <laughs> what is that? There's Look no that. need for that. That's <laughs> so unnecessary. So it's all that sort of stuff. And then it's sort of leading to we all find our social standing throughout sixth form. We've all found out exactly where we stand, who's friends with who, because it's been a couple of weeks. Yeah. And then it gets into where it gets complicated. And that's all because of the way that the buses were organized for this trip to Candy Bar. Uh, we all thought that was like a division one, division two, division three vibe socially. And yeah. it kicked off. So having been previously anticipated as a trip to a sweet shop, that's pretty clever. There you go. Uh, the sixth form social at Candy Bar was set to be an evening of excitement. Everyone was well buzzing. Beef was loud, and all bloods were seen to be safe with each other. <laughs> I, I would have thought, I would have thought that was amazing. I would have thought that was yeah. so funny. I mean, wow. it's it's the one of the worst pieces of writing. <laughs> and it sounds like this is quite a kind of a, it's a cool rough and tumble school full of sort of like gangsters and bad boys that you went to. <laughs> yeah, but you, having spoken to me for even an hour, you know, you can tell that's not true. <laughs> um, Mr. Saunders, head of sixth form, you can stop worrying about graffiti in the common room, top buttons being done up, shirts untucked, and even upper school bullying. In fact, you could stop dreading violence altogether. Forget your drugs, driving, and drinking woes towards your students because no issue will ever compare to that time Nikki stuck up the stuff about the coaches. <laughs> uh, 
And then it's all just stuff about the elite substitutes and reserves are in numerical order, transfers made and names crossed off. The coaches became the talk of the common room, smothered whispers that eventually turned Chinese. That's about Chinese whispers. <laughs> uh, yeah, I get it, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> and ended up as a coach three being previously known as elite. Oh, wait, Nicky just swapped the numbers. So what happened is, I mean, it's not an amazing story, but basically there, there was one, two, three. People started going, oh, we want Dean and R1. Put him in division one so that was the transfers and oh. then it was so controversial Nicky just went okay fine just crossed out the number one and put three to try and trick everyone into thinking see they're not in any order they obviously were in an order and this, and re- this really with, um, bugged you oh this was a big deal this was a big deal um, so we get to surprisingly the ghetto we stood in parked conveniently next to Iceland lacked the violence and hostility of a Tottenham versus Arsenal aftermath there was no dirty politics however those that originally did appear as Gordon Brown doppelgangers had a glossy tint gifted by intoxication <laughs> I mean obsessed with this slamming Gordon Brown's appearance vibe. very political very political <laughs> you've managed to bring politics in in a way I haven't really seen before when you know talking about student buses so as a, as a columnist I thought I'd uh, read that to you it's great you know it's um, it's uh, it's um, uh, not it's not snide. What is it? It's 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 uh, a, a, a wry glance at an un- usually and oft ignored element of kind of student politics um, and social politics and interaction, almost classism. Um, but you've managed to Absolutely. reflect the times as well by bringing in outside influences such as, um, you know, political leaders of the time. Uh, and um, it's it's no holds barred. Um, that could easily have been Toby Young. Um, <laughs> That's not, I mean, very just what easily. I wanted to hear. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, 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 you know, you shoot from the hip. Um, and that's just you. Now, I need you to score me for this yeah. work that I've just presented to you on those three categories again. So the first one out of five is originality. Uh, you in uh, you do, you, well, you did two Gordon Brown jokes, two Gordon Brown references, when perhaps your point could have been made more strongly um, had you just, just done it the once. But mm. you loved it. And you went back to it. And sometimes we go back to the things we love, don't we? And there's nothing wrong with it. Um, But you sort of ripped yourself off within the space of one article. So originality comes down a little bit there. But where you do score highly on originality is no one else was writing about this. No one else cared. Good point. There is not another article about it in existence. So four out of five. Sure. I'll take that, given how lifted the writing style is from various people. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Pure teen horniness. Well, you mention the <clears throat> the glossy nature of the intoxicated students, and that shows a, a keen eye on physicality. Um, so, uh, so I would say that's up there. Um, you mention um, the the drinking. You're you're also you're raising your eyebrows well, and you're being slightly kind of. Um, uh, the, the, I, I, I feel like this is peacocking in a way. You're using a lot of, you know, language that you wouldn't normally use, and that mm. might be to impress. So I'm going to, uh, you know, I, I see, I read between the lines, and I'm giving you five for that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Oh, it's so horny, this article, without being, <laughs> without directly saying, no one got off with me at this party, and now I'm angry about <laughs> yeah, it. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. And that is that is what makes it a Toby Young article. Mm. Uh, and yeah. finally, it's Mickey Mouse Club, Ryan Gosling, Ryan Goose score. How close is it to the, to the work now? Does it represent <laughs> who I've gone on to be? I'm going to mark you lower on this one, just because uh, I think that the awareness you show 
um, um, uh, shows that you have grown as a person. Um, you've become much less horny. Um, uh, and, and, and well done on that. So I would say... Thank you. Um, it's, it's been a battle. I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to score you a two on that bit. Two out of five. Yeah, I suppose I don't really... I've got no work that's close to that candy bar. <laughs> no. I've not talked about it since. Yeah. This is the first time I've mentioned candy bar ever since, so I think I'll take a two. So that means that my score is 11 Very good. out of 15. So 11 plays to nine. So technically I win the podcast, but there are no winners. The message of this is we are both losers. That is the whole point. Yeah. <laughs> so we now come to the time where all that's left is for you to play us out Danny Wallace with your final piece I believe it's another hard hitting piece of poetry is that correct? Yeah it will you know uh, it's about unity I think um, none of these seem to be particularly titled apart from race um, but this does it treads a similar line but it also exposes um, uh, a lack of knowledge when it comes to geography I think <laughs> um, but it's it's this is simply what it's about. I haven't titled it. Let's just call it people. Afghanistan's Jerusalem's Canadians too. Out of the trillions, these are just a few. Australians, Americans, Ethiopians too. From Japanese to Chinese to me and you. There you are. Um, wow! So that now that is some meaningful stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, it you know it set, it begins Afghanistan's and uh, rather than like uh, Afghans, uh, or, yeah. you know, um, it moves straight on to Jerusalem's Jerus- Jerusalem's, yeah, yeah, which isn't uh, which isn't which isn't a people. lambs yeah. it's about lambs from Jerusalem. Um, Canadians, too, Canadians, know, uh, yeah, bring it back and make it more. You know, because you would have been watching more American and Canadian TV. But I didn't go for the obvious. I didn't go for Americans. I went for Canadians, you know? Yeah. Original. Yeah. Out of the trillions, well, I didn't know, <laughs> no. I didn't, you know, I didn't know how many people there were. Um, but I am correct in saying these are just a few uh, of them. And then Australians, Americans, very familiar with them. But then I chuck in Ethiopians again to demonstrate a knowledge of the world. Um, and from Japanese to Chinese, I think that's just for rhythm. Um, up to me and you. So then I bring you in and make you realise, God, yeah, I am. Yeah, I am part of the world, and so are all these different people, even though they live in, you know, other places. The last line um, it really rules out this poem being read by anyone from Afghanistan, Canada, Australia, America, <laughs> uh, yeah. Ethiopia. That's true. No, no one from Jerusalem. And yeah. no one from those places can read this because it's all... it's. Even Japan and China. So that's a majority of the world you've ruled out, really. yeah, but Don't forget, I do make the point, there are trillions of people. Um, I see, So I see. it's yeah, still so a big market. There it was, Danny Wallace. Hayfee the pranks with Mr. Montgomery. Cease and desist letters to his own friend to stop using the name Pagoda. I had an image in my head when he said that of... Joe Lysett changing his name to Pagoda to defend Little Dan, who had been ruthlessly pranked by Danny Wallace. But what about the work and the exclusive, the early work, this very podcast you are listening to now may have led to the publication of some actual poetry. And what a stab in the back that it isn't my own. 
Gaelic poetry from Ailey with illustrations from a five-year-old Danny may get a publication as a direct result of Danny Wallace getting in touch about this show and reminding her that it exists. A single tear rolls down my cheek out of pure pride. Make sure to follow Danny Wallace on Twitter, at Danny Wallace. Subscribe to this podcast. Give us a review on your app of choice if you like. Tell your friends and go and spend several minutes now pondering if race is indeed all about your face. Goodbye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.